Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Ayegusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's Word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayer that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again, and thank you for listening. Hey pastors, welcome and thank you so much for joining us again. So today we are in the third part of our Christmas uh, series where we're looking at the unexpected characters of Christmas. And in today's podcast, I wanna do something interesting. I wanna look at a passage in the Bible in Revelation chapter 12 that, that sort of sounds like a Christmas story, right? There's a lot of things happening in this story that appear to be the spiritual, you know, the behind the scenes look at what really happened at Christmas, if you look at Revelation chapter 12. But actually, it's about the end times. And, and I just really love today's message because I, I think that it is a nice segue between this Christmas series and a, a new podcast series that we're going to be starting in January. It's still going to be part of the Nigerian Pastors Podcast, but starting in January, we're going to do a eight-part series on eight-part eight podcast series on the end times, where we talk about the return of Christ and and what we should be watching for and what we should be doing as Christians in anticipation of that. But for today, we're going to be in Revelation chapter twelve, and and we want I want to talk about this chapter. It's important not only for us to understand Christmas a little bit, but for us to understand exactly where humanity is headed, where we are headed in the timeline of prophetic events that are yet to come. So I'm gonna have you listen to a dramatic reading of Revelation chapter 12. Then when, we, and when, we, when we're done with that, I'm gonna come in and flesh out for you what the strange chapter about this lady and the dragon, what it really means, what it represents, and its implication for us. So here is Revelation chapter 12, verse one to 17. A great sign appeared in the sky. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then 
the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God that there she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. The dragon and its angels fought back, but they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointing. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who accuses them before our God day and night. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great fury, for he knows he has but a short time. When the dragon saw that it had been thrown down to the earth, it pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly to her place in the desert, where, far from the serpent, she was taken care of for a year, two years, and a half year. The servant, however, spewed a torrent of water out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the current. But the earth helped the woman and opened its mouth and swallowed the flood that the dragon spewed out of its mouth. The dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. It took its position on the sand of the sea. Now that is a lot going on, right? In fact, in order for us to unpack this passage, uh, the first thing you need to understand is everything you just heard read is an actual prophetic event that is yet to take place in our future during what the Bible describes as the tribulation period. Um, if you are familiar, if you're not familiar with that term, the tribulation refers to a specific seven-year period that's still in our future where the inhabitants of earth will really face some of the most trying and difficult period humanity 
has ever seen. In fact, starting in January, in a few weeks, in uh, the first Monday in January, we're going to do an eight-part podcast episode, uh, eight-part podcast series on the end times, where we're going to discuss all the signs um, surrounding the last days, uh, current events, and how they point to it, and, and more importantly, what we as pastors and Christians should be doing in preparation for it. But for now, let's jump into Revelation 12. In fact, there are three main characters from this chapter you just heard read that I want to introduce to you that will give you some understanding as to what this mysterious chapter is all about. The first person I want to introduce you to in Revelation chapter 12 is this pregnant woman whom the Bible describes as being clothed with the sun, has the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head in verse 1 and 2. That's, that's I mean, that's quite a scary picture. Now, I think anybody reading the Bible would, would immediately agree with me that this woman is not actually a real woman. Uh, this woman represents the nation of Israel. It's a symbolic picture of the bright sun and the moon shining around her reflects the unique honor that God has given to Israel above other nations, right? Because Israel is the apple of God's eyes. On And then on, on several occasions in scripture, in places like Isaiah 54, 5, he refers to her as his wife. And then the 12 stars crowning her head refer to the 12 tribes and the sons of Jacob that make up the nation of Israel. So that's the picture. That's what this woman represents. She represents a woman who's in labor, who is about to deliver a baby, right? And that brings us to the second person I want you to meet. The second person is this iron scepter carrying baby. Right, we meet this baby in verse five, and this is actually one of those characters in this chapter that is closer to the real identity of the person it represents. You see, this baby is Jesus Christ, not only because Jesus comes from one of the twelve tribes of Israel, as is represented by the crowns on the woman's head, and not only because this birth brings to mind pictures of Mary giving birth in the manger, but because verse five says this this baby will grow up to rule all the nations with an iron scepter. You see, that same phrase is actually used to refer to Jesus in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, where we are told that at his second coming, he will rule the world with an iron scepter. Even though Jesus Christ is known as the Prince of Peace, you should know that Jesus Christ is not a pacifist. Ruling with an iron scepter means that there's a day coming where everything will, will, everyone will have to give an account for every action. Nothing will go unchecked and everyone will give an account um, and will be judged accordingly. In other words, when the baby's fully grown, he, he's going to, he's going to deal with some serious issues. All right. So now we know the woman represents Israel. The baby represents Jesus. The third one is this scary looking seven headed red dragon with seven horns and 10 cry. I mean, this is just a scary thing to behold, right? And this one is actually fairly easy to interpret because later on in verse 9, the author tells us, the author John, who wrote the book of Revelation, tells us that the great dragon, this great dragon, is the same as the ancient serpent from the Garden of Eden, the one called the devil or Satan who leads the world astray. And the red color and the fact that he's pictured as a dragon is symbolic of his ferocious and really just vicious nature. And then the seven heads and crowns and ten horns represent really the future kingdom that Satan will have a direct control over through a figure known as the Antichrist. Once again, I realize a lot of information uh, throwing at you, but like I said, in January, we will do this eight-part series where we will flesh it all out. So 
Now that I've introduced you to the three main characters in this chapter, um, you now have a framework with which to approach this story. So let's, let's, let's dig in, because the story opens up with this woman in, in painful labor, right? I mean, if you, if, you've, if you have a wife and she's been in labor before, you know what that's like. She's probably crying out, and, and then she gives birth to this male child. But then something bizarre and ominous happens. It's not something you would expect when a woman gives birth. The Bible says out of nowhere, this dragon shows up in the delivery room while this woman is still, you know, you just gave birth to a baby. And this monster that's shown up is obviously a grave threat to the baby. It hasn't come to give the child the gift of gold, myrrh, and sil and frankincense. Now, this, this dragon has shown up because it wants to devour and destroy the child and its mother. By the way, considering who the woman represents, who the baby represents, and who the dragon is, you should know that this is not the first time this dragon has tried to destroy this child. In other words, this is not the first time Satan has attempted to annihilate the Israelites. Let me give you a few occurrences of this in the Bible. In Genesis, we read that Satan tried to eradicate Israelite population during their time as slaves in Egypt before God raised up Moses to deliver them. Secondly, the Israelites faced another close call in the book of Esther when this wicked man named Haman tried to pass a law that would result in a mass genocide of the Jews, but then God raised up Esther and Mordecai as deliverers. Uh, number three, you might even recall that during the birth of Jesus last week or a few weeks ago, we talked about this. During the birth of Jesus, King Herod ordered the execution of all the two-year-old boys in Bethlehem, Jewish boys, because he was threatened by the birth and arrival of a new Messiah. Then even more recently, during World War II, Hitler killed millions of Jews in Europe. And then in 2012, during uh, the reign of former Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, um, if you recall that period, this guy constantly threatened that the nation of Israel has no roots in the Middle East and would be eliminated and pushed into the sea. So the point is this, is that the nation of Israel has always been and is actually still under constant threats from the surrounding neighbors who despise her. In fact, you will recall earlier, earlier this year that uh, the Hamas was constantly firing rockets over Israel that were intercepted by Israel's Iron Dome. All of that information to say this, that the dragon we see in this story in chapter 12, that this assault on this woman and her baby in the future is not the first time Satan will try to harm Jewish people. But, but he's going to fail in his mission because before he can do any harm to the child, God himself will rescue the baby by miraculously delivering or snatching the baby from this murderous scene and bringing the baby, uh, bringing the uh, baby straight to the throne room in heaven. Now, uh, this picture of Jesus or the baby being snatched away is a picture of Jesus's resurrection and ascension into heaven. And it probably brings to mind the Christmas story a bit, right? Remember in the Christmas story, an angel alerted Joseph and Mary to take Jesus and flee the country before Herod's men arrived? Well, in this case, after the baby is rescued, verse 6 explains that the woman miraculously escapes the dragon and is taken to a safe location and hidden away by God for a period of 1,260 days. Now, that number is very specific for a reason, because if you do the calculation, 1,260 days actually amounts to three and a half years which is exactly halfway through the seven-year tribulation period that I mentioned earlier. 
You see, as a result of this child being snatched away, Satan, the dragon, becomes very furious and it results in an all-out battle, but not with whom you expect. In fact, it's at this point that a whole new character is introduced to us in this story. Verse 7 says, Immediately after the birth of this child and the rescue scene of this woman, an all-out battle breaks out in the heavenly realms between the dragon and his angels. And here's a new character, the holy archangel Michael and his angelic special forces. Basically, there's war in the heavenlies. Now, unfortunately, the devil and his demons are no match for the angels of heaven, and they lose this battle to Michael. They're kicked out of their heavenly location, and this results in their second and final banishment from heaven as they're cast down to earth. You know, this final cleansing of heaven's space is such a significant moment, it's such a significant event that, the, that, that, in fact, spontaneous celebration breaks out in heaven among those who are observing. That's what verse 10 to 12 is all about when you read about the praise and the worship that was happening. Now, while this news of Satan being kicked out of his space is great news for everybody already in heaven, this obviously means very bad news for everybody left on earth during the second half of that seven-year period, which is apparently when Satan lands back on earth. Then Satan is not just staying in heaven, but he's had spiritual power in the heavenlies, but now those on earth are under his threat. And this latter half of the tribulation period, the Bible tells us, will be hell on earth. It will be horrific because for that period, it'll become the only space in the universe where Satan can roam. And keep in mind, he is furious, he's desperate, he wants blood, he wants vengeance, and worst of all, his time is very Limited. This makes Satan, during this period, humanity's worst enemy. And from verse 13 to the end of the chapter, Revelation 12, we are told that Satan the dragon turns his full attention and his evil rage on the woman, the Israelites. He, he's pictured as pursuing her, spewing water out of his mouth to drown her, which is weird because when you think about dragons, you think about fire coming out of their mouths, not water, right? So, so obviously this water is symbolic of something else. I think most commentators agree that the water is a symbolic picture of the invading armies that Satan has raised up in the last days to attack the small group of Jews remaining during this period. But once again, Satan will fail at his mission because God will supernaturally intervene. Verse 16 says that as this great invading army gathers to destroy the Jewish people, that a massive earthquake will shake the ground beneath their feet and swallow up millions of soldiers gathered for battle. Now, the chapter, Revelation 12, actually ends at this exact spot. But there's more to this story in the remaining chapters. And, and listen, because my intention is not to teach you the whole book of Revelation, but, but really my, my intention is to not only wrap up this Christmas podcast series, but to also set up what we're going to be talking about in the new years during the end times. I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, but, but because I know we all like happy endings, I need to put the story in the proper context for you. Everything you just heard read to you from the scriptures and that I just explained um, serves a purpose. All the chaos, all the destruction you just heard about, it all serves a purpose. The world is not just spinning out of control. The reason why things become so bad and will become so bad at the end of the age is because God is trying to wind down the clock on human history. God has prepared and is ushering in a new heaven and a new earth for all his saints who are in Christ and angels in heaven, I suppose. But in order for the new to come, 
the old has to be gotten rid of first, which means that there is a day coming where every evil and every injustice that has ever occurred from the beginning of time has to be judged. That's what the end times is about. It's not just about God punishing people and judging people. God is trying to hit a restart button or a really a renew button on the earth. And so he needs to wrap things up. Now, the great news of Christmas is that through the birth of Jesus Christ, God has offered you and I a way to avoid judgment by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So rather than allow what you just heard to cause you to panic or be fearful, the question for you is, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Because listen, that's the only way that you and your church and followers and people uh, people will escape the coming judgment, which is sure to come. So I invite you this afternoon to turn your heart, to repent of whatever sin has been and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Simply pray, Lord, simply pray, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I put my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you rose again. And I believe that you pay the price of my sin. I put my trust in you today as my Savior, as my Lord, as my King. Write my name, O God, in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for dying for me. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review and give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up with you next week. Stay close to Christ.